Good evening, everyone. This is Irish on Tap, brought to you by the On Tap Sportsnet. I am your host, Brandon Suarez, and I'm joined today by Ethan Wiles. Ethan, how you doing, my brother? Good, man. Uh, you know, coming off a, a good win on Saturday. Uh, it's rough that we got the bye week this week, no football on Saturday, but uh, we'll get back to the grind soon and enjoy the bye week. Watch some football on Saturday night, got some good games. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and it definitely, you know, it was a grinder game, but we did come out victorious, uh, you know, 35 to 17. So like I said on the podcast last week, it's on to New Mexico. Unfortunately, this week we do have a bye week, but we do have a great surprise for you on this installment of Irish on Tap. Today we are joined by a man who roamed the Notre Dame secondary for three seasons, a man who played with a special tenacity that made any opponent keep their head on a swivel. Today we are joined by the one and only Max Redfield. Max, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Any anytime I can, you come on, you know, share my share my story, talk about Notre Dame, and and uh, you know, just have a good conversation about football. You know, I'm I'm, I'm thankful and uh, happy to do this, man. Perfect, and we're glad to have you. You were definitely there for some of the golden years here uh, over with the Irish, and we definitely, you know, are glad to have you on the podcast. Ethan, you want to say hello to Max here? Hey, just uh, wanted to. Shout out to you. Uh, was a big, I've been a big Notre Dame fan since I was little. Um, you know, I remember you making plays a couple of years back. So uh, we're lucky to have you. Thank you for coming on. Um, get down course, to man, it, yeah. man. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it was, uh, I had a, had a great time there, man. I had a lot, of, a lot of opportunities to make a lot of plays, meet a lot of great people, and have a lot of experiences that were, you know, very unique and um, very powerful for me. And and uh, in my life and, you know, in every day, you know, I reflect on those journeys and then get to connect with different um, alumni, whether it's people on the team or students or, or people who are, who are, you know, graduated from earlier years um, or alumnus as well. Um, one, one of my greatest achievements is getting my degree from Notre Dame and uh, just, you know, just some of the experiences I got to have with the football team, you know, it was, it was amazing. I mean, I think from like a fan perspective too, like all business aside, um, you know, one thing that I think any Notre Dame fan wants to do in their lifetime is run out of that tunnel um so i'll start with that i just wanted to ask like what's that feeling like whether it's you know it was a prime time under i don't think did notre dame play many uh night games when you were there first of all they did have big yeah. games we, we happen played... to have quite a few you know the michigan yeah. game for sure you had an interception yeah. in that michigan I, game i was i was at i yeah. was at that game i do remember that yep i was at that so, one yeah. uh but yeah i, I wanna... just wanted to get like i just wanted to get your take on that like what's just go through that feeling like not many Notre Dame fans get to do, but you know, what's it like running out of that tunnel every Saturday? So I'll try to put it into, um, I'll, I'll just take you through kind of the experience because it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a release on, on so many different levels because you feel the energy um, and the excitement of the crowd. Um, you feel the energy and excitement of your teammate, your brothers who you've been sacrificing with putting in all these hours with, you know, early mornings, late nights, um, schoolwork, all this different kind of stuff. So you get to run out and enjoy this moment together. It's it's also the energy of, you know, you're you're about to go to a battle against another team that you've been pre- preparing for all week, watching a ton of film on. You know, you know these guys' names that you're about to compete against on the field. You, you um, you're about to give everything you have, and obviously the win has implications because it's going to be on TV and a million people are seeing. And and um, obviously you can go back and watch it at any point in time. Um, because it's, you know, on TV and different stuff like that. So it's so much different pressure and, and different stuff on so much, uh, so many different levels. Um, but because of all the energy, you, when you do just focus in the moment and, 
you know, be comfortable um, with how much pressure there is and know that if you just do your job, do stay, stick to your fundamentals, do everything you can to, you know, um, contribute to the team, whatever role you have, um, you know, you'll be fine. And then that's the kind of, uh, that's the balance where you can kind of find that stability and just be like, wow, this is a great moment. All right, it's time to get the job done. Um, but also, um, you know, be able to control that energy because if obviously it's all over the place. You're talking crazy. You know, you might uh, get a flag. You might do um, different stuff that will make you undisciplined. So, it's a, yeah, it's a balance that you have to um, maintain in, in this overwhelming uh, environment. Yeah, and I was going to say, you were always the energy guy on that defense running around there with, you know, Jalen Smith, guys like that. And, you you know, you were one of the guys who was always there making big hits, causing turnovers, making the quarterback feel uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, you know, you're always there hyping up your teammates, being a team guy. And that's one of the things that I, you know, as a football fan, not many fans take, you know, notice of that guy. But when you have a guy that is just good and vibes with everyone on the team, it's just better for the team's success at the end of the day. So I wanted to get to my next topic. So, Max, what have you been up to uh, – what have you been up to since you left Notre Dame? I know uh, you did spend some time there in Division Two. What uh, D two? You were at uh, University of Indiana, Pennsylvania, correct? Yes, exactly. Um, and let me tell you the journey because it was quite a journey after I left Notre Dame. So, so um, at, after the end of my career, after um, I was dismissed from the team and the school as well, after eight weeks into the into the school year, um, it became illegal for me to actually be on campus. So after oh, having wow. four years on campus being a semester away from graduating and three and a half years with a major in philosophy minors in business economics and Mandarin Chinese. Um, it, it was, you know, that, that hurts. Um, you know, you put so much time and effort to building the brand, all those relationships and all those people that, you know, you got so close with, um, and alienates you, um, obviously to a very high level. Um, so I had to, I obviously had to go back to California kind of, uh, and pick up kind of where I left off. Um, I didn't know whether if I was going to declare for the draft in the NFL Obviously, if I did, I felt like I would get robbed for um, the, the the how much I would either get paid or um, the opportunity for the team that I play with because of the type of player I am. Um, I've always been um, the top of my class um, since high school, and, that, and I kind of pride myself on that because um, I've proved that in whatever um, you know level I've gone to, and, and I always do my best doing that because I know I have that potential and have that. Um, ability. So for me, I always try to maximize on my opportunities, and that's that's just that's something that I live and hold very uh, close to my heart and to to the person that I that I am. Because everybody in this world gets different opportunities, different resources, but um, I, I feel and I believe that I've I've been given you know been blessed with so many different opportunities, and I, I want to maximize on those, and I still am. Um, so so I didn't know if oh, I wanted no. to go to the NFL or. Or um or go division two and I ended up going um to, to division two because I had one more uh, season of eligibility left so I decided um that basically I took two more classes um, because that's all I needed to finish uh, my degree at Notre Dame but um, I finished these two classes the spring after um, the season that I got dismissed before uh, my senior year um, ended up finishing all my credits but they didn't grant my degree after that spring so I could transfer to a division one school. And the way that uh, Brian Kelly dismissed me, he made it so if I didn't get a scholarship or become a graduate transfer, I couldn't uh, transfer to any scholarship programs. Um, so I ended up taking 18 credits um, at a, a community college, Santa Ana Community College in California, um, and then um, to complete my AA degree so I could play Division Two. And then I started looking at, you know, good programs, and I went to the school called IEP, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. It's about an hour 15 from Pittsburgh, and it's uh, it's always been known to be, a, you know, really a – 
a really good Division two football program. Um, and and I took a visit to there, you know, um, and and the, and the team was really it really just felt like home. Um, honestly, that's that's the kind of feeling I was looking for, something comfortable, something where I know the coaches want the best for me. Um, to be honest with you, that that wasn't the the feeling and wasn't the case to to me. I'm, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but for me, um, I never felt that my uh, head coach wanted the best for me. And for me, that was hard um, because in high school, it was the absolute opposite. Um, my high school coach was a great mentor for me. I knew that he wanted the best for me, um, even when he would yell at us sometimes. Um, obviously, that's necessary sometimes if we continuously make the same mistakes, you know, whatever it may be. But um, I knew that at the end of the day, he wanted the best for me. And, you know, he was vocal with that and continuously pro- proved that to me. I mean, college is the complete opposite. But uh, thankfully, at IUP, this is the case. Um, so I ended up going there. I won 12 straight games um, with the team. Um, we won 12 straight games. Um, and in the national uh, quarterfinal, I dislocated my hip. Um, and I went low for a tackle. And two of my teammates tackled. Uh, it was a tight end um, from the opposite direction. My leg kind of got stuck in the ground. And my hip popped out uh, posterior, like out, out the back. Um, and that uh, obviously ended my season. We ended up losing the next game in the national uh, um, semifinal, um, the game right before the national championship against uh, West Florida. Um, they're, yeah, they're a great team and, and um, ended up, I think they ended up losing as well. Um, but, yeah, so I had a great great year there, um, amazing people there. They treated me really well, and um, we all wanted the best for each other, and, and we had so much success. It was, it was a lot of fun, um, and I played uh, some of my best football, you know, continued to grow within the game, learn, um, get bigger, stronger, faster, all that stuff, um, and it was a great opportunity. Um, and, and also uh, every every single um, NFL team came to IUP as well um, all, from all 32 teams. Um, so I was always talking to different teams and got a lot of exposure um, and uh, also got invited to the combine. Um, so I actually dislocated my hip um, basically exactly three months before the, the combine. Um, so for like two weeks, I did physical therapy and then started kind of, you know, like running and doing different stuff on it. And by a, a month and a half, I was running full speed without restriction. Um, and I trained in uh, down in Orlando um, at the Wild World of Sports um, at Disney World with uh, Saquon Barkley and uh, Tom Shaw and, like, yeah, a bunch of guys, um, Braxton Miller. No, not Braxton Miller. Um, what, what's his name? Um, wow, well, I'm blanking on his name. Is that, uh, is that Ant? Oh, J.T. Barrett? Um, yeah, J.T. Barrett, my guy, J.T. Yeah, Barrett, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it, was great. it was great to train with a lot of elite athletes like that. But um, at the time of the combine, um, I couldn't even squat with uh, weight on my back um, because, of, uh, because of my injury, and I didn't really have any explosion on my left hip, so. I ended up running a 4.6. I, I didn't do the broad jump or the vert um, or the three cone um, just because of that. Um, I just did the field drills and then did, ran a 40 into the bench. Um, but it was an incredible opportunity. You know, got to talk to a lot of coaches, got to see a lot of friends, you know, from Notre Dame and a lot of other places as well. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was a, you know, once, once in a lifetime um, opportunity. And I'm really glad I went and I'm really glad I, I ran as well just to show that, you know, even three months after a dislocated hip, like I'm not going to let that uh, stop me and show that I can still run and perform at a very high level, even, even, you know, three months removed. See, and that's the one thing, so, yeah, the, one thing the one thing I wanted to touch on too, just, you know, your perseverance and just staying, you know, staying true to the process. You know, you mentioned you had to go back to California to do 18 credit hours back at community college. Me and Ethan, we've both been to community college. Obviously we did not have nearly as much at stake in that situation, but it, you know, it seems petty at times. It's, it's kind of irritating, especially, you know, saying, you know, coming from Notre Dame with the degrees that you have in order to get that fifth year eligibility to have to jump through those hoops. It kind of sucks. But you did make the best of your opportunity over there. Um, and then on top of that, too, you know, 
you've been able to surround yourself with the right people. You know, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone deserves a second chance. But since then, you've been doing all of the right things to continue to land. You know, you got to the combine out of D2. And, you know, granted, you, you know, had it been, at, you know, had you been Notre Dame for that, you know, that if you had a fifth year there or whatever, you know, you still could have went in the draft. But uh, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, what you've been up with, you know, with football since, you know, actually being in college. So, mm-hmm. Last year, you played in the Alliance of American Football for the Birmingham Irons. So I just I wanted to see, you know, how did you come about that opportunity? You, you had mentioned going to the combine. Did you get into any uh, preseason camps or anything like that before going to the AAF? Yes, yes, I was with the Raiders uh, rookie mini camp, and um, basically they didn't sign me because of what what they told me was John Gruden said I didn't make enough flash plays. I didn't have like an interception or like a big play in the mini camp. Uh, that's why they didn't sign me. Um, so after that, I actually uh, was acquired by Montreal Alouettes. They they got my negotiating rights in the CFL, and I, I took a flight out there and ended up getting rejected uh, at customs after like three hours, three and a half hours um, um, at customs. And you know, making me wait around and you know, talk to me and answer a bunch of different questions. Yeah, and interview you and, and then, stuff. Yeah, and basically they said that the charge that I got in the United States could um, could be um, like chargeable up to five years in Canada. Um, and they ended up not letting me through, um, even though, uh, and I guess uh, the Montreal West could have filed more paperwork that would have made my, uh, you know, entry a lot Your more. Your transition, more yeah. But yeah, I got rejected at customs and couldn't even get into Montreal. Um, so after that, um, I was obviously, you know, like, I don't know if I'm going to do the CFL thing. And it took about five, six weeks to do the, that necessary paperwork. And then the Alliance of American Football uh, kind of presented itself to me. And um, the, um Trey Brown, who was the, the GM, um, kind of VP um, at, at, at Birmingham Iron, um, basically said that they would file for my negotiating rights and, and try to get me to, to go there um, because uh, I think San Diego would, would have had them um, if they didn't um, file for them first. So I ended up going to the Birmingham Iron. Um, we had a we had a mini camp in December, and then we had training camp in January um, in San Antonio. All teams went to San Antonio. They had like a kind of like a welcome. Um, event um, for all the teams, all the players, um, and then you know we had a training camp, and then I, and honestly it was, it was a great experience um, because of how I think high level the football was. Um, you know you're surrounded by I think it was 80 percent or over 80 percent of the players had NFL experience. I'm um, in the Alliance of American Football, so it was a very high level um, um, game. You know it felt it felt um, more obviously obviously higher level than uh, Division Two and, and Notre Dame as well. Um, and, and it was a, it was like it was another opportunity, you know, to get paid and play football, which which for me was obviously my first time um, doing that. I'm experiencing that, and and it was you know it's fun to be a pro, and, and it's fun to have um, uh, guys in that um, same position and, and take care of your bodies and, and that way, and, and that's your you know that's your profession to take care of yourself and be able to uh, perform at the highest level uh, day in and day out. So yeah, it was a great experience, and and um, obviously it uh, ended uh, really abruptly, you know, um, none of us saw it coming, honestly. Yeah, it was it was tough. It was tough the day that it happened, and and I recall watching the last weekend before it actually ended, uh, with the Orlando Apollos and then um the Memphis Express, and it yeah. was just one of the things. And I live in Illinois, so it, you know the the season it was kind of gloomy, but it was real shitty out. I had to work for like the whole season, and I had put a lot of work into some of the side work I do with the sports management company and trying to get players to the Alliance. So I, you know, I really wanted yeah. to watch it. 
And I, you know, I wake up on like Tuesday morning, go to class and like every single one of my friends was like, yo, the Alliance failed. I told you because I I was really behind it and I really thought that it was going to well. And for some, you know, for, for I believe it was 61 players after the Alliance made it to NFL camps and rosters uh, for the preseason. And I, I don't know. I think there's only about seven or 11 left. Um but that last – so I want to ask specifically about that last day. So were you in practice when you got the news that the league, you know, was disbanding and everything was over? So we actually uh, – it was our off day. Um, they gave us the off day. Um, and we start seeing it, you know, break breaking the news and, like, you know, Twitter, different stuff like that. Um, and everybody's like, you know, what's going on? And then we get the, you know, the team text, like we have a team meeting. And after that, everybody's like, oh, man, this is over, you know. Da, da, da. Only, like, you know, most of the people don't even go to the team meeting. Um, and then the, the hotel notifies us that we have to be checked out by 11 a.m. the next day. And there's guys with kids and, you know, living in the hotel room. And, you know, they're, they're significant others, whatever. Um, so this was uh, – it happened so suddenly. It was – yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, that's that's not what you like to see in pro leagues like this. But uh, I do know uh, just from following the XFL and all the news that are going on with that, um, I do see that you know you haven't been invited to the XFL draft. So did you go to any of the uh, combines, or was that just an invite based upon you know your film from Notre Dame and with the AAF? Yes, I actually went to a showcase um, in New Jersey. Um, it was at Montclair State. Um, they had eight showcases around the country, and, yeah, I attended one of them. So, perfect. So at least at least you're still going to be able to get an opportunity. You know, the AAF collapsing was obviously unfortunate, but at this point, you know, you're still young enough where if you can, you know, you can ball out in the XFL, the sky is the limit for you. So I, I did not mean to cut off Ethan, so I'm going to let Ethan go ahead real quick. Yeah, yeah. I just – I wanted to get your take on it because – you know, there's kids playing football from from youth through high school, college, and you know, if you get lucky, you you hit the pros. But you know, all the the trials and tribulations that you, you know, endured over your career. If you're if you're gonna say something to if we had high school players, kids like that listening, like what what's your message to them just to overcome, you know, the the challenges that life throws at you, similar to what you've what you've gone through in your career so far yeah um it, as simple as, as i can put it is you are the reaction force um all these stuff um can be causes and you can still dictate the effect um that's kind of like it on a scientific basis um uh, it's also similar to the law of attraction the way you uh, you live your life the stuff you put out the energy you put out um it's going to attract certain things in your life maybe um i was putting out you know negative energy in a certain way and that's why some of these stuff was happening you know, um, maybe these, stuff, um, these certain events happen to me to prevent even, you know, worse events happen. You know, um, there's millions of possibilities like that um, that we could try to guess why why certain stuff happened to us throughout life. But as long as you make sure that you yourself stay consistent with, you know, doing, uh, doing what you can um, to take care of yourself, to take care of others, to help, uh, help yourself learn and grow in this world and how you can, um, you know, make make something better for yourself and make something better for others, because that's really all it comes down to. It's, it's um, you're doing different jobs, different doing occupations, maybe to provide for yourself and provide for others, or to help yourself help others. So, um, yeah, that's, that's incredible, day, man. 
Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, and you've always been, like I mentioned, one of the team guys, so I would imagine that that instantly translates to your off-the-field um, you know, life. So do you have any, you know, projects or any charitable organizations that you're working with at the moment right now, Max? Yeah, my, my family has been involved with, um, with, um, a lot, a lot of different projects, but, um, just two off the top of my head are, uh, one's called Jackets for Jesus. Um, it's kind of like a Catholic based, um, uh, donation, um, initiative where we give different clothes and jackets and stuff for, uh, and, and different, you know, necessities, toiletries and stuff for, uh, homeless people and, and, and stuff um and people you know who just who just need uh stuff of that nature um so that's something i've been involved with for uh you know since, since i was in high school um and then my aunt is also involved with um a company called pure game um my aunt's name is joy Fawcett. she uh she's won uh, gold medals um in the world cup and olympics and she's in the soccer hall of fame she played uh, with mia ham for you know over a decade and and she's been involved with this uh, soccer-based uh, nonprofit called pure game and she goes to different um like elementary schools and, and teaches uh different character traits and different um values like that um to, to elementary kids and, and play soccer with them and they set up games and stuff and and yeah it's, uh, so that's an, uh, those are just two off the top of my head uh, most recent that uh, that i really enjoy and, and that, that do good things see and that's one thing too is you've always been involved in the community and you, you know you prove it there Regardless of the mistakes that you've made, you've always been, you know, one of those guys that gets involved with the youth, gets involved with the people in your community. And, you know, like you said, you made the best of your time at Notre Dame. The relationships that you have, you know, the relationships you make in college last for a lifetime. And going to Notre Dame and playing on the football team is a special type of brotherhood. Uh, so we're going to actually jump back to the nitty gritty and get into your time at Notre Dame. So I wanted to ask you personally, what was your favorite game that you played in at Notre Dame, home or away? Or actually, you know, we got time for both. Let's do both. So, we, so we'll start at home. Yeah, your favorite home game in your time over there at Notre Dame. Favorite home game, hands on, has to be the Michigan game my sophomore year. You know, we, we put up a donut. Um, the second game of the year. That was just, you know, that was that was groundbreaking for us, and and um, kind of gave us the confidence that you know we could we could do this to anybody, and um, as long as you know we we play together, play for each other, you know, we can, we can achieve great things. And I also got my first uh, college interception in that game my sophomore year, um, and it was uh it was like what my third start. I started the um the the pinstripe bowl my freshman year, um, and then the the first game of the year. Um, my sophomore year, and then the Michigan game. So yeah, it was my third start, and uh, yeah, I got an interception, and, and um, like I said, the donut. So that was huge, and and I got yeah. the layout gardener, which I didn't even know was a penalty until the interview after. So that was, <laughs> Me, that, was that. Ethan and I were just talking the other day about how Gardner gave us fit, but we were watching the Louisville game, and I was like, that thirty-eight to it was thirty-eight or was it thirty-one to nothing? Yeah. Yeah, it was 31, but it should have been. It was really 38. I was going to say, yep, yep. I pulled that shit back. I I remember that entire game. Yeah, that was was an incredible game to be at. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, 38 to nothing. Because we we lost to Michigan the year before, and I just remember anytime I see somebody wearing, like, Michigan stuff and I have Notre Dame stuff, I just felt just so demoralized. Like, I cannot believe we lost to Michigan. and We need to get to next year so we can beat them. And then that happened. All right, we're good. Yeah, last game against Michigan when the series ended at home, putting up. Yeah, I could imagine that would. Exactly. I kind of knew you were say that. We, just... uh, the, year the, be- the year before we broke the uh, college attendance record, it was like over 120,000 in Michigan. 
at the biggest. Yeah, that was the Eminem game where he came on the broadcast. Yeah, just exactly. Looking Eminem. wicked. <laughs> Something wrong with Eminem. He just, yeah, he just, yeah, I don't know. He looked like he was just real out of it that day. All right. So here, so we got a home game out of the way, a glorious game. So two of the most notable games that I have that were away games that may not be your favorite because they didn't end in victories. <laughs> Uh, yeah. where, Cle- where Clemson and Florida State, but aside, we'll 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 hit, we'll get into those later. But what was your favorite away victory at Notre Dame bowl games included? Away victory bowl games included. Yeah, then it has to be um, yeah the LSU bowl game my sophomore year um, down in Nashville, the Music City Bowl, um, because it was a you know a game-winning field goal by my man Cal Brinza. Um, Malik Zaire is one of my best friends from Notre Dame, and um, that, he played a great game. And, um, he rarely got to showcase how great of a quarterback, you know, he really was. Um, and the, so for him to be able to do that and, and uh, contribute to lead us to that victory, that was great for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I was happy, real happy about that one. And, and we enjoyed our time a lot down in, um, down in Nashville. Um, we got a lot of opportunities to bond as a team and to hang out. Um, so yeah, that, that one I, I definitely cherished. Um, and, and the fact that we won, I had 15 tackles and made the all bowl team and, and, um, I feel like the, I like to say I got the best out of Larry Fournette, and then and then I look back at the stats, and he, he had a crazy game. So I was like, yeah, uh, you know, he did his thing too. So yeah, but that was a great so, game. I guess going along with the same question here, was there any stadium that you wanted to play in in college that you didn't get the chance to, or was Notre Dame like number one? Like, just was there any specific college stadium you wish you had played in? Oh, that's a good question. Maybe Ohio State or like Alabama down in SEC, like Florida. Um, Tennessee always looks crazy to play at. Um, yeah, Knoxville looks nuts. Yeah, so that orange, yeah, and, that orange and white color scheme. I feel yeah, like maybe the checkers. It's like all right, that's, that's yeah. Cool. I'm going to head out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to head out. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, back to that LSU game. That was that was a wild game. And, I mean, I also, I believe, tweeted at you that night thinking, you know, shit, he had, what, 15, 18 tackles? He shot on Leonard Fournette. And in our eyes, you did because we won. So it was, a, it was definitely a successful game. Take us into yeah. the oh, – yeah. take us into the environment – uh, the game down in Tallahassee, we were robbed on the one yard oh, line. Oh yeah. Oh, oh wait, let me game. let me just give you a little background to the LSU game really fast because um. Oh yeah, go I ahead, actually, go ahead. Uh, broke, I actually uh, broke my ribs in the in the game against USC, and um, I, I lost my starting position on a Thursday because um, I like somewhat talked back to the defensive coordinator and you know uh, I guess kind of slick way. So he put me, um, you know, on the third, like a third string on a Thursday. So if you know you're getting put in the third string on a Thursday, you're not going to get the starting position back by Saturday because you only have walkthroughs on Friday. So all this happened, um, and they didn't tell me I was starting until um, until the warm-ups right before the game. And I had, like, 40 family members, and, you know, I, like I was all obviously, like, you know, completely stressed out that I wasn't going to start, and, and all of them were coming. And then they told me I was starting, so I was super happy, and I break my ribs in the second quarter. So it was just, yeah, a wild roller coaster. And then, I basically told myself if we get LSU, then I'll play because um, it was only like two and a half weeks after I broke my ribs. So we got the LSU pick, and I practiced the next week, and um, I you know just put a rib cage on. But every time I hit, you know, obviously it hurt like crazy. And then I ended up playing that game, and I you know got the All Bowl team. I had to hit back like 15 times. Van Gorder was obviously challenging everything I stood for the entire time because 
me. He wanted to see how I reacted and if I'm going to act like I'm hurt or if I'm actually going to play well. So it was a hectic as practice weeks. And uh, then, um, yeah, you know, then the, then the bowl game came up and I, you know, played the best game of my life. So it was a whole, yeah, a whole crazy series of events that led up to the, led up to that game. Yeah, and I was going to say having to deal with Brian Van Gorder day in and day out probably was not good for your mental health. He is screaming at everyone up and down the field. And, you know, you get that as a football player and you and you, you come off as a very coachable guy and someone that, you know, you know, when you're around these guys so often, you're obviously going to butt heads on things. And, you know, you're not going to always get along with all your coaches or your teammates. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, but back to that, that FSU game, man, I want to know what it was like to be down there. Cause we've, you know, if you've, if you, if anyone, you know, any of the listeners or, you know, Ethan, we've all been a part of games where we feel we were robbed by the refs. That was point oh, yeah. blank period. Yeah. That was point blank period. That was a terrible ball to finish the game, but yeah, this is the definition of that. Yeah. Take us to that game. All right. So, um, it was, you know, it's, it's basically kind of somewhat of a shootout. Our, uh, both defenses are, uh, you know, making plays and struggling as well. Uh, Joe Schmidt, um, one of my guys, Orange County guy, I played against him in high school, beat him in high school, sent, um, actually ended his uh, high school career, so I'm also proud of that. On a little side note, I had an interception that game. But Joe Schmidt had an interception against Jameis Winston, made a gigantic play in that game, you know, earned, obviously earned a scholarship. Um, I want I want him uh, to be uh, in a documentary or a movie called Super Rudy. He's Rudy, but like you know, obviously he earned a scholarship and picked off James Winston. So like that's like he he stepped it up. Like you know, that is awesome. So, yeah. yeah, Super yeah, Rudy. Joe, Joe was my yeah. Joe was my guy during that time. Yep, I remember that. If we can find yeah, exactly. some funding, whether it be a listeners or boosters to fund Super Rudy, and then we can play that on a back-to-back reel when they play Rudy in the stadium before week one, I think we could find some people that are into that. So that might be an avenue 100%, we could explore. 100%, yeah, it'd be an international hit. But, um, so, uh, so yeah, so Joe Schmidt, yeah, made an incredible play that game, but, um, yeah, so we're going against Jameis Winston. Jalen Ramsey was also on that team, so there, yeah, a lot of a lot of really really talented players on the field, and and um, it was a game that went all the way down to the basically to the last play, um, where we we scored a touchdown. You know, we're in the red zone. I think it was within the five yard line, maybe the four or three yard line, and we scored a touchdown. And an entire sideline. You know, that's that's all we have in this entire stadium. Basically, our sideline and you know a few people scattered throughout the stadium. And we're, you know, celebrating, screaming. It's the, it's the biggest win of our careers, obviously, most of our careers. Um, I mean, some of the guys have been on the national championship team, but this is obviously an incredible win. We end, we end their uh, winning streak. You know, they just won the national championship, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we see a flag on the field, and the, the Florida State fans start yelling. And we're like, what happened? And offensive pass interference. And, you know, we watch the film, you know, millions of times, and, and the defender engages with, um, uh, CJ right away. Um, so whether if he was trying to block him, run around him, or anything, it didn't matter because the defender engaged him before he even took uh, one and a half steps off the line of scrimmage. So it can't be offensive pass interference if the defender engages with him. So it makes no sense. Um, but uh, that's what the flag was thrown, uh, thrown for. Throw the flag, back us up 15 more yards, and do it again. And obviously we didn't do it again. And uh, we were fifth in the nation. They were uh, second in the nation. And uh, we were both undefeated uh, up until that point. And, um, yeah, after that game, it, it changed the whole trajectory of our season for sure. 
Yeah, and that was that was one of the toughest pills that I've had to swallow as a Notre Dame fan. I was watching it with my brother, and my friend, and like your sideline, but every you know, you know anyone that goes to Notre Dame or anyone that roots for Notre Dame knows that everyone hates people that are associated with Notre Dame. So naturally, my brother and my friend are rooting against me. I'm running up and down my house, up and down the stairs, like, oh my god, we just beat Jameis Winston in Florida State in Tallahassee, and my brother's like, wait. There's a flag. It's coming back, and yeah, oh, that my yeah, that like killed me. Uh, it was a tough game, and then it's like you look at the replay, and like you said, you know, the defender engages, and within those five yards or whatever, you know, it's usually a gray area, but in the zone, it's a different story. So for CJ Procise to get called for that flag was just absurd. They took the touchdown away. It was from Corey Robinson, I believe, who was the one who ended up yeah, yeah getting yeah. his six taken away. They made him tire early off that call is what I'm going to go ahead and say. But, <laughs> but Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Some, no. got, in the little earpiece, somebody was like, you need to put that slide down right now. Yeah, nah. He's been doing great. He's been doing great things since he retired from football. So no knock on him, no shame. But uh, another tough loss, and I want to say because you know during the time at Notre Dame we were pretty successful as far as the win column goes. We was a battle down there against Clemson against you know Deshaun Watson and the guys. Yeah. So. That environment in and of its own is one of the best. And, you know, if you go to Clemson, it's, you know, in your eyes, the best environment in college football. But as an opponent, I don't know how many yeah. exactly they can pack <laughs> into there. But t- that night, you know, probably would have been probably top five, top ten craziest nights of your life. So just yeah, through that was, game. Well. Yeah, that game was in its own um, realm because of the rain. There was a nearby hurricane. And I've only been as wet as I was in the ocean or in the shower because we were getting poured on the entire game start to finish, and it was absolutely hectic. But before we even started the game, we're in warm-ups, and the whole stadium is almost packed, you know, like an hour before the game. Like the fans are like – like the fans are already in there ready for the game to go. They have their own songs. Like they're singing their own songs. All the fans know the words, like – they had a DJ there. Like, it was just – and, yeah, the whole environment was crazy and something that you don't usually see from most universities. So, the whole thing was overwhelming um, at that – like, as far as that point. But, um, you know, once you get into a game, it's, it's game time. It's time, to, it's time to perform. You do your job. You do what you have to do. Make plays. And, and that's it. You don't have time to think about the crowd. You don't have time to think about anything else other than what you're supposed to do or else you'll do it wrong. And that's just – that's what a lot of people don't understand because there's a lot of – there's a lot of different pressures and different stuff going on. But – um, it's a it's a matter of executing the play that you get. You get a play on offense, you get a play on defense, um, executing the play that you get, and you have an assignment based on your keys, based on, you know, for me, all, a million different things, but um, you have a job to do. And if, and if you're not focusing on doing that, then you'll definitely get it wrong. But, um, yeah, also for me, this was also a crazy game because um, I actually broke my thumb the first series of the first game um, against Texas. Um, not, I don't know if people, I probably people, I'm guessing people don't really know this because I ended up just getting it taped up and I finished the game and had seven, you know, seven, uh, seven tackles in the game played solid. But then I ended up having a club, um, for like, I think it was like nine more weeks throughout my, my junior year. But, um, I had to get surgery the Monday after the first game. And then I, uh, practiced Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and all that stuff. And, and, um, I was also getting, you know, kind of tested by Van Gorder to see how I was. I was going to play with this uh, play with this club on because I had a giant club that I had to play with every practice, every game. 
um, to obviously protect my thumb. So um, the week before, we played Georgia Tech, um, which is obviously a triple option team. And during practice, um, I've talked about this. Uh, I, I have a podcast as well called Mental Mastery with Maximus, and I had Jesse Bon Jovi, who was my teammate at Notre Dame, uh, walk on. Um, and for most of the drills, the walk-ons have to, you know, um, do the drills for the starters, um, you know, keep repping the drills for the starters so they can, um, you know, practice whatever technique they need to practice. For triple option teams, a lot of their linemen and receivers, whoever, running backs, uh, cut block. So our walk-ons have to be the cut block dummies. And so you have to continuously put their heads into the ground over and over again full speed like you would do to a 300-pound lineman who's trying to take out your knees or a running back who's trying to end your life. Um, so – um, this was something that we had to consistently do to our brothers, which, you know, I, I obviously felt uncomfortable doing. Like, this is somebody I have a lot of love and respect for. And I have to right, right. And if I don't do it hard enough, like, I, I'm liable to get in trouble and potentially lose my spot. So, um, and, you know, my football career is in jeopardy um, <laughs> every single day, you know, at any point. And that's that's the kind of uh, environment that, uh, you know, it was uh, for, for me um, and for my teammates that I witnessed every single day. Um, but um, so yeah, so I did. We had a kid continuously do this uh, for Georgia Tech. I was obviously getting pressed to see how I would, you know, respond with my club. Um, I started all week, and then they told me I wasn't starting for the game. I ended up not starting the Georgia Tech game. But then they put me back starting for the Clemson game. Obviously, it's a big game. Um, they, they, know, they know what I can do, whatever. Um, so all week, you know, I'm just like, you know, this is gonna be the best game of my life. Uh, I have to prepare as hard as I possibly can. Um, they're they're over 70% run. It's gonna be rainy. You know. It's, it's, it's going to be a dogfight. So this was the most hectic game I'd ever played in my life, the most fun I'd ever had in my life um, as far as on the field. I had 17 tackles, and it was one of the best games of my life, even though I had a club a club on uh, my right hand, my dominant hand. Um, and, um, yeah, the raining was coming down the whole time. We knew they were going to run the ball, and, you know, it was, it was us first time. And, and a lot of times they had success, and a lot of times we had success. But uh, we also had four turnovers during the game, and, and uh, we were put in a lot of hectic positions um, as far as the defense. So. It was uh, it was a battle. Yeah, it came, so I came, guess that it came down really down to that last play down on the goal line again, where Kaiser was, I believe, a yard or two short. So as far as it goes, exactly. you know, the, the defense, you know, not to to dog on offense, but the offense was, you know, and and it's it's rainy out, it's hard to catch, you're fumbling. It was a tough game to watch from yeah. an offensive standpoint, but you guys definitely did it, you know, did do your thing that night. But go ahead, Ethan, I apologize. No, yeah, I, I kind of just led me into my next question here because whether you're paying attention to ESPN or you watch the games every Saturday, one thing that's always brought up is, is Brian Kelly's just personality and just the way that he has calmed down over the years. Can you talk about, with your time at Notre Dame, like what's the Brian Kelly like that us normal people don't get to see every day? Well, in that situation, when you're playing, um, you're not you're not um, influenced. You're not um, asked. You're not advised uh, to tell the truth how you truly feel. Um, that's not that's not how it is. Um, you have to be very um, what people would call political um, about your answers. You'd have to be very uh, choice of your words. Um, but it was a situation where we were uncomfortable. You know, you have to ask the secretary to book a meeting. You don't just walk into his door. You might be talking to somebody important. Um, he wasn't, you know, it's just it's not it's not accessible. I've seen him brush shoulders with my teammates many, many, many times. I've, I've heard, I've heard even worse stories. Um, but I was, I was a five-star recruit, and I still felt like he treated me like an object, and 
that if I didn't fall in line, then I can get replaced at any point in time because Notre Dame is a lot of talent and there's guys that want to fall in line. So if you don't fall in line, then, you know, um, it's, it's easy, easy to get replaced. And obviously there's a lot more riding on, um, you know, uh, um, playing football than, you know, I mean, especially at Notre Dame, just because everything it has to offer. So um, a lot of guys think that, you know, should I transfer? Should I do this? Should I do that? Because of, um, maybe tension that's going on in the football or expectations that they had because of um, the story that was created or the narrative picture that was painted um, in recruiting um, is so very um, opposite towards um, what it what it actually is once you get there. Um, uh, we, we used to joke about, well, yeah, once you, once you sign the line, they got you, you know, and kind of like you used to laugh about it. But because um, what Notre Dame has to offer as an academic institution, the type of people who go there um, because – the weather is not ideal. It's a private Catholic school, so it's not a normal um, college environment um, as far as like fraternities, um, the amount of kids there are, maybe um, the, the, definitely the diversity, um, all that different kind of stuff is just a lot different. Um, so you know that you're sacrificing a lot of stuff, and um, and, and and as well as um, the, I mean I didn't, I didn't really put enough emphasis on the academic demands because the teachers um, are so incredibly intelligent and know their um, know what they're teaching so well, and they want you to know it um, just as well as they do. Um, but football coaches want your life to be football, um, and that was also something that um, um, my teammates and I um, sometimes would get, um, you know, friction for as well. I, I knew I definitely um, had to, I had trouble with Brian Kelly because he wanted me to take less credits for um, during the fall, um, and I took, I was taking you know 17, 18 credits. I was studying Chinese my first two years in Notre Dame. Um, and I pride myself on being intelligent, and I wanted to graduate in three years flat. Um, I wanted to be efficient about, you know, um, getting my degree. If I can get it in three um, years and then maybe um, pursue a master's, um, that would be amazing. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's what I want to do. Um, once I found out about that option, um, and that's, that's something that didn't fall in line with him. So it was, it was a lot less of, okay, like where can I – a lot less of um, let's find common ground um, to what you want and, and what I want from you. It was – if you don't do what I want, like you don't want to know what's going to happen. Um, you don't want to go down that road, um, and which was unfortunate because that, that created an environment where it was kind of us versus them, and the assistant coaches had to obviously fall in line, act within their pay grade, and then um, they're not. you don't get the genuine interactions of, I trust this man. I know he wants the best for me, so I can open up and tell him how I feel. I can open up and tell him how to better coach um, me and my teammates, um, to, to better have a working relationship because that's what it is. At the end of the day, it's a working relationship. If you don't try to create, create a two-way street where there's win-wins for you and your employees, you and your workers, whatever, you and your um, um, kids, like, then, then, then it's not going to happen, um, and, and that never happened. So it was, a, it was a very uncomfortable situation, um, um, to be honest. Um, and, I, and I did my best to make it cordial. Um, I can honestly say that. My teammates know. Um, I, I, I try to kiss ass at a certain time, you know, like, like coach, like, I'm, I'm, I'm here, like, I, I'm here to try to establish this uh, a relationship with, you know, like, um, I understand, like, um, you know, we don't see that eye on a lot of stuff, but the, the more we try, obviously it's going to get better for both of us. And, and, and the type of person I am is I want the best for everybody, just naturally. I know, I know that the best for him, 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 her, her, her doesn't affect me. Um, it can only positive, have a positive influence on maybe the people that they love or maybe people that they don't love, whoever. Um, so to me to have such a, like a, a hard, a hard time seeing eye to eye with somebody who, um, that I knew if I did my best and, and performed and contribute, um, on and off the field, then it would also benefit him. So, um, the fact that we couldn't, um, get to, get to a point where, um, we could have, you know, conversations like this, then 
it was rough. Um, so, but I have heard he's uh, changed as well. So, so um, I do give him credit for that. Um, the perception I feel like has gone a lot better with him. Um, but, um, yeah, that is what I experienced. I'm sounding uh, a lot different than that. So, have you had any like form of communication with Coach Kelly since you've left Notre Dame, or how how has that situation been? No, I'd uh, I'd, I'd periodically um, try to reach out to him since he had uh, dismissed me years and years ago, um, and that still hasn't happened. Um, but um, yeah, maybe it might happen, it might not. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's not something I'm opposed to at all. Um, I, I try not to hold grudges, um, um, and. Obviously, I'd like to contribute and, and share my story, share my uh, learnings, uh, what I've gone through uh, to help benefit the next person and to, to benefit people at Notre Dame right now. Um, I still have a lot of teammates who are on the team right now who, uh, who I have a lot of love for and, uh, you know, I've spent, spent a lot of time with. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I'd love to contribute in any way um, if, if I had that opportunity. And uh, obviously, us connecting would, would potentially present that. So, I'm all, I've always been open to that. Um, but I haven't been uh, back to Notre Dame since it was made you know, legal for me to be on campus, but also since then I've, I've uh, finished my credits and, and received my degree um, in philosophy and a minor in Mandarin Chinese. So um, I'm, I'm thankful to say that I am uh, a graduate and an alumnus. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm ready to make it happen. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm obviously hustling and doing a lot of different things um, to uh, reach the different financial stability, different points in my life that, you know, I want to, I want to reach to be able to give back and all that stuff. Yeah. And to follow up on Ethan, I want to ask you just as someone, you know, who works with, people that may have been in your position or who have left, you know, certain universities, have they been able to get your film from after your time at Notre Dame or have, you know, has they just kind of cut you off? Yeah, I never had that um, opportunity. I made my Notre Dame highlight film. I was just looking at the games on YouTube and just like videotaping with my phone. Um, I, you know, I could pay other people to, you know, create videos and stuff from, from the YouTube clips and uh, get more into it. But, um, no, I never had that opportunity. See, and that's that's something you just don't like to see because at the end of the day, you know, you know, you had mentioned it earlier, you know, when you were talking about the recruiting trip, obviously recruiters are salespeople. They're in there to, you know, sell you high and get you to the school. And then when you get there, obviously it's it's like watching any commercial or any ad. It's never as good as advertised. But with that being said, it's like, you know, you get there whatever happens happens it's it's not important what happened because you know you, you've made the best of the situations that have come after that but for them to be as petty as that and to not get you your film that's something that you just don't like to see from someone you know you originally get there is promising you that they want you to not only be the best max redfield out there between the you know between the hashes but the max the best max redfield out there you know in the community so that's tough i uh I don't. I don't like to hear that. But let's let's get away from the negativity, Max. Who was your favorite? Who was your favorite teammate uh, that you had over there at Notre Dame? Favorite teammate. Well, uh, first I'm just gonna say I don't like picking favorites. Um, but um, all right, we can we can do we'll do a group of three. We'll do a group of three. A, a group of three. All right. I'll just I'll, I'll pick everybody from a different state. I'll just say. One, my boy, GB, Greg Bryant, who uh, passed away. Um, yes. He came in uh, the same year, 2013. Um, and uh, he was, yeah, one of just, you know, bright, lively, um, good energy, uh, you know, person, uh, you know, who's, uh, just, who's just consistent, you know. You're going to get the same Greg Bryant every single day. And uh, he was in, he came in out to Notre Dame and uh, gave everything he could, and gave everything he did and uh, put himself in many uncomfortable situations to better himself. And uh, he always, uh, 
always was a type of person who I looked up to, and uh, yeah, it's my guy. So uh, electric, Brian. Electric, oh, yeah, electric. Man, too. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, that's my guy. Um, and I'll say uh, my boy John Montellis, uh, Big John. Um, we uh, came in the same year as well. Uh, he just had a short stint, a couple NFL teams, and um, he's thinking about hanging up and maybe um, going into them. Uh, going to the corporate world uh, potentially. Um, but we, uh, we we did a study abroad trip to Notre Dame, um, to Brazil at, at Notre Dame. Um, and it was one of the one of the greatest experiences I've had. Um, and, um, you know, got to learn a ton and um, got to do a partnership with uh, Natura, which is one of the biggest uh, cosmetics companies in, in Brazil and, and got to meet a lot of great people and have, a, yeah, great experiences. So uh, Big John and then my boy uh, Malik Zaire, um, he's out in California now and uh, I've been getting, getting uh, to see him a lot. Um, up in LA, um, and he's been having you know a lot of success and um, with overtime, and then uh, he also um, is going to start doing some work with CBS Sports as well. So he's uh, he's doing his thing, and I'm super happy for him as well. And I'll, I'll mention yeah, as if... too, my boy. I, I'll mention Jalen Smith too because he just got a giant contract and and he's doing great things with uh, Clear Eye View. Um, and I might be an ambassador uh, in the future for his uh, sunglass company, uh, Clear Eye View. So so yeah, I'm looking forward to that um, if and when that happens. Yeah, and yeah, Jalen's always been one of my favorite players at Notre Dame as well. Whether I played with him or just watched him, he's one of the guys, you know, similar to yourself that came up, started playing early freshman, sophomore year, and you just saw success over the years. But go ahead, Ethan. I was just going to say, uh, as a future, as well, I'd like to be a sports broadcaster. Uh, it's good to see Malik. Uh, get out there. Uh, he seems to be doing yeah. big things, and it's awesome that you know you guys. Obviously, I've played football. Brandon played football. Um, you know, we we know how much brotherhood goes into that game. So it, it's cool to see you still connecting to guys that you used to play. One person's doing this. You know, it's just kind of cool how after college things work, and um, just how successful you still can be, you know, even if you don't make it to the league. So that that's pretty cool to see. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask Max, cause we, we talked about, um, just like the issues that college athletes go for, and it's kind of a touchy subject, but I wanted to get your, uh, opinion on it. The, the pay for college athletes. Uh, how do you feel about yeah. that? Where's your stance on it? Uh, just want to pick your brain on that. Um, so for me, I think it's, I think it's necessary. Um, am I saying, yeah, they need an absurd amount of money. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying it's necessary because um, of what I experienced and what I saw with my teammates. A lot of my teammates come from families and come from backgrounds that they wouldn't have been able to pay for college if they hadn't gotten a full ride, um, period. Um, so for them to consistently get meals and eat comfortably, um, especially at a rate that football coaches and, and, and football in general demands, um, the, the, the amount of calories, um, the, the quality of food that they need consistently, um, this was something that definitely wasn't uh, provided um, for for me and for us. Um, and I was, you know, living out of the, I so I mean, it, it's provided to the extent that I would be living in athletic complex off bars and nuts and fruits, and, and then eventually we got sandwiches um, before my junior year. Um, so I would I would be uh, yeah living out of our athletic complex because of um, you know I didn't have uh, the financial stability to eat um, the way I wanted to eat. Um, I could definitely cannot afford. Uh, Ten, fifteen dollar meals, even though um, that was the absolute minimum for what I demanded um, a meal, you know, at a college. Um, and because of football and, and academics, I didn't have a time to time to get a get a, a part time job or you know some kind of job to support myself. So 
Um, I definitely am an advocate for it, especially because of um, the amount of money um, that college football brings in. Um, I believe it should be just a percentage. It's just, a, you know, just an equation. Um, have a built-in percentage of the total revenue from, you know, ticket sales, um, merchandise, you know, um, if, if you want to even um, do a percentage of, like, TV deals um, because all that stuff is because of the players, obviously. Those are the ones who are putting their lives on the line every single play and practice and a game. Um, so, obviously, they should be getting paid, um, especially when their likeliness is being used and they're not allowed to use their likeliness um, and get paid for it. Um, or else it'd be against NCAA rules. So, so they should be getting paid for their likeliness. Um, so that's that's a that's what makes sense to me. Um, also, um, with other with other sports as well, it's obviously just a smaller percentage because of um, the the dollar figures um, as far as TV deals and, and all that kind of stuff, ticket sales, um, uh, food sales at games, all that different stuff. Um, um, I'd I'd like to come into play um, because it's just a matter of you know doing the finances behind it and giving a certain percentage to the players. Um, it could be even a even way of having more points for food at the, at the food, different uh, food places around campus and, and maybe merchandise as well at the stores um, and, and, and uh, like, you know, student stores and stuff. Um, and it doesn't have to be straight, uh, you know, thousands of dollars every week, you know, um, that, that's not what I'm uh, talking about. So, so yeah, I definitely am an advocate for that. Yeah. And I, I'm going to say, I think the thing, Uh, I'll just pick up there. Um, you know, I, I think you really hit home there. Um, you know, I think you kind of just put the different college players' perspectives into picture. Um, so I guess kind of along the same lines, you were talking about just what an athlete or a college athlete or a student athlete does throughout the day. What's kind of like your schedule as a student athlete? Obviously, you got practice, you got class. Um, yeah. But, yeah, what, what's that like for you? Okay, I'll, I'll take you through uh, like a spring. So a spring is the off season, and a lot of people you think, um, oh yeah, like the off season, like maybe you guys, you know, lift weights, do a little whatever. Um, so we do uh, weights and like work out directly after the season, and then probably after about eight weeks or so, we get into uh, spring practices, which are about two hours, and you have um, uh, at least uh, thirty minutes or at least an hour of meetings before before that as well. Um, so the first meeting is at six thirty a.m. So you need to get taped up, like you know, ankle. Most wall players usually get their ankles, wrists. Um, linemen will get, you know, tape over their cleats, tape over their gloves, all different types of stuff. Um, so you need to get taped before um, uh, the first meeting and you need to eat before the first 6.30 meeting um, in the spring. Um, in Notre Dame, obviously, it's snowing, it's ice cold. It's, it's, it's 45 minutes off Lake Michigan, so you have lake effect winds. So it's about negative 20 wind chill, negative 10, whatever it is. Um, and uh, Notre Dame, uh, when I went there, Notre Dame didn't pay for your off-campus housing, so you're a senior. So uh, you have to stay on the dorm, you know, white brick wall, one XL bed, most case. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so wake up, go do that. Um, so 6.30 a.m. meeting after you eat and get taped and stuff. Um, so you wake up around 5.30 or so, maybe 5. Um, and then um, have about a half hour, two half hour meeting, go out to practice, practice a couple hours. Um, and then maybe you might eat again. Um, you'll probably try to grab some food really quick before, uh, before class. And then um, you have class um, anywhere from, you know, three to four hours a day, depending on what your major, what you study. Um, and then depending on if you're an upperclassman or lowerclassman, you might have study hall, so uh, like an hour, maybe two hours study hall um, after that. Um, and then whatever uh, homework you have to do. Um, and that'll take you right anywhere from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Um, and obviously you try to mix in a social life every now and then, um, especially in the off season. Um, but 
Yeah, it's it's definitely demanding, and that's and that's what that you know that's basically a standard spring day. That seems like some long hours there. How are you able to you know are you a coffee drinker? Were you able to get you know proper you know the best pre workouts? What kind of you know were they giving you good supplements over there at Notre Dame? Uh, as far as you know, you had mentioned you were basically basically living over at the snack bar, the juice bar, getting. Yeah whatever you could from there, but did they, you know, here at NIU, me and Ethan both go to NIU, they, uh, they're sponsored by Northwestern Medicine, they got like Gatorade and stuff like that in there, but did they at least, they didn't get you nothing, no good protein, none of that? (laughs) Oh, we we had a, we had fuel station, we had a very nice fuel station where we can make smoothies and stuff like that, Um, so maybe I'd make a smoothie every now and then in the morning early, Um, that would, yeah, that'd definitely make me feel better, you know, frozen, frozen berries and maybe like a plant-based protein. Um, and I'm throwing some peanut butter. Um, now that's usually my like, you know, go-to smoothie. Um, but other than that, you know, no, I'm not much into coffee and stuff like that. And, and, uh, it was, it was actually hard for me to get used to that. Um, and this is also what kind of put me on a uh, bad terms to a certain extent with Brian Kelly, because the first uh, summer I got there, I was, uh, I think I was late to like two meetings within the first like two weeks. Um, oh, wow. and, uh, I got to, I got the uh, got the message really fast because that was unacceptable. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, for for me. Uh, for, the first one was um, just oversleeping my alarm. Um, I, I believe my phone died because I didn't plug it in, um, so the alarm didn't go off because my phone died. Um, and uh, I had I had three other roommates. Um, one of them being Isaac Rochelle, my guy down here, and uh, uh, playing for the Chargers now. So yeah, super happy for his success. He's been doing great. Um, but I learned I learned uh, I learned that. You know, at the end of the day in college, like you have to be accountable for yourself. You have to make sure that um, you make the right decisions and, and make sure you set yourself up for success. Because although you do have people who want the best for you, do they do want to help help you? And, and in a lot of ways, can um, you can't expect them to do that. And, and when you start expecting uh, people to do that, that's when you you know just fall short in certain areas. You need to make sure that um, yeah you're solid so you can start providing for others. But you have to be solid first, you know, and, and make sure uh, you know you're on point first. So. I learned that really fast um, that I have to, you know, obviously uh, set alarms and plug my phone different, you know, just little stuff like that that, um, you know, you kind of take for granted being in high school. Yeah, I was going to say that's, ha- you know, I'm sure that's happened to Ethan. It's happened to me. But, you know, a restaurant job or being, you know, 20 minutes late to a lecture is a lot different than, you know, being late to the to the jug to go meet Brian Kelly and the boys for practice. But the stakes are a little bit higher when you're late for that. And then, and <laughs> yeah, then you exactly. know. When you're the late guy at practice, they make everything during the entire practice about you. So it's like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a tough crowd when you're the late guy at practice, but it does happen. And I mean, you know, like you had pointed out, you know, from six thirty to ten, I apologize, my mic cut out previously. But one thing that I've always been a proponent of is is like you had mentioned, and I thought your system, you know, based off the percentages getting athletes paid is just something that is just necessary at that point. Um, As far as, you know, think about, you know, say, for example, you know, you weren't able to do the AAF or the XFL and the end all be all would have been your football career at Notre Dame. And you weren't able to cash out on that. Like that would be a tragedy. And there's guys, whether they've had injuries or situations, had their careers ended at the NCAA, you know, regardless of, you know, like I said, injuries or, you know, trouble, but yeah. they could yeah. have played in the NFL and been able to get that money. One guy that pops off the top of my head who was smarter and got an insurance policy was uh, Marcus Lattimore from South Carolina, but 
it's tough. Um, but you know, like we've both stated and like you've stated, you know, whether it's through your actions and everything that you've done, um, you've been able to overcome that. One thing I did want to ask you about though, uh, how do you feel? We're going to go, go ahead and call it the Notre Dame West division. There's a lot of Notre Dame players over there hanging out. Uh, you know, they're playing the, uh, Los Angeles chargers. Is that going to be your favorite team this year in the NFL? Or do you have a previous favorite NFL team? I know you're from California. Don't know if we're a Niners guy, Raiders, maybe a Chargers, be a Rams fan. Who are you rocking with for this NFL season, Max? Well, I actually, my dad was actually born in Philadelphia, and I was born in Connecticut. Um, then I moved to California when I was seven. I was raised here once my parents got divorced. But um, um, so I've always liked the Eagles um, as far as football. Um, so uh-huh. I support them. I've never been uh, like you know like a super fan. Um, but I definitely support them, and I also uh, I like the Rams as well. Um, when they had uh, Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, all those guys, and um, so I've always liked the Rams, and my family uh, supports the Rams and um, as well. Damn, I hate to hear that you're an Eagles fan, seeing as me and Ethan are both <laughs> Bears. Me and Ethan are both Bears fans, but I grew up uh, with my son team being the Rams. Uh, so to wrap wrap things up here for today, Max, I want to hear your thoughts on this year's Notre Dame Fighting Irish team. Um, maybe someone on the roster to look out for that you know hasn't had their you know number called yet, or maybe just you know your overall thoughts. What are your thoughts you know regarding this season for Notre Dame? I'm really optimistic. Um, I, I think they have the ability to go back to the college football playoffs. Um, I think it's a matter of them just consistently growing um, and getting uh, better and better each game throughout the season. Um, a lot of people, I mean, you're going you're gonna to hear from both sides. You're going to hear a good win because uh, we're 1-0. Then you're going to hear it was a sloppy win. We look sloppy in a lot of areas. Um, but that's, that's just natural um, of how, you know, the season starts. Um, it's the first game. Um, so the fact that we got a win I think is a good sign. Um, and the fact that um, we, we got to produce on offense and, and see that uh, our receivers can make plays, our, our quarterback, uh, Ian Book, looking good and, and uh, making nice throws and, and looks comfortable making plays. Uh, Tony Jones looks good. Um, Ian Book also, you know, showing some running ability as well. It's great. Um, he, he's always, uh, you know, been um, agile for sure. Um, so I think um, it's just it's just uh, kind of taking um, taking the positives out of the first game. Um, and, and whenever, you, you know, you come out with a win, obviously it's definitely good. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm just excited to see how they do. Like I said, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I think they can go back um, to the college football uh, playoffs, but um, that's, that's realistic as well. You know, um, they, they made it there last year, um, and they have the talent to do it. So, and they have the leadership to do it. I think um, I, I always look at leadership, um, you know, are the, are the captains, the, the people who lead the team, um, can they produce? And they, are they also, uh, you know, vocal leaders, uh, strong leaders that the, the team can look up to? And I think uh, our leaders are both of those. You know, my, uh, Sean Crawford's a guy um, that I like a lot. Um, I know personally um, Aloha is a, you know, he's shown a lot, of, a lot of leadership. He's made a lot of great plays, and, and um, he's going to do the same this, this year as well. Uh, Julian O'Farr is a good friend of mine and someone uh, who can produce a lot. Um, but uh, Jalen Elliott, Troy Fry, you know, there's a bunch of guys out there um, on defense who I like a lot can make plays, and then on offense as well. Um, we have playmakers and a lot of, and, and our lines obviously consistent, um, and guys who um, look like they enjoy playing together. Um, and and you know that's 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 something that I think is uh, huge as well. Yeah, and I was gonna say. Clearly, we're having some technical difficulties over there. Sorry, Max. Um, but you okay. talked about just like the f- the first game of the season, like that kind of like 
just to quickly talk about here, like, is that expected week one to have some issues and, and obviously grow as the season goes on? Or, you know, is that kind of like an unexpected thing? You know, what's your thoughts on that? It's, it's, I mean, obviously you don't want to expect it. The the coaches will never tell you that to expect it. No, I mean, nobody's ever going to – that's not like a verbal thing to expect. But once once you watch the film, after you see week one, you're like, okay, this is this is the starting point. This is – yeah, after after um, all the off season, like this is kind of where we are and, um, you know, where you need to grow from. So I think the most significant changes from a team are week one to week four um, in comparison to the later weeks. Um, but so I think it's – all right how good did we do and then what exactly did we do wrong um so we so we can fix it and become the team that we want to be um so yeah i think it's expected to a certain extent yeah and if you if you know if you watch the game in the second half you know we did make great adjustments we only gave up three points on that late drive there in the fourth quarter so after seeing yeah. those 14 after seeing those 14 points go up early in the game you know ethan and i both were, we were watching the game together and we looked at each other and i'm like this game's gonna be a, there's gonna be a thousand points in this game like no one's gonna stop anyone we couldn't stop the run they were able to be successful in the rios which is something that potentially scares me for later in the year um, but I saw, you know, Drew White had a solid game. Uh, Jeremiah um, Koromaya Okwozu had a good game. Like Kyle Hamilton, who is a freshman, which at 6'4", playing safety, that's just absurd. Like, I mean, I would hope he can catch the ball, but that's like receiver height. You should be playing receiver, but we'll take him. We'll take him at safety, straight baller, and learning from Gilman and Elliott is only going to make him that much. You know, when his time truly does come, and he's just not a rotational player, he's really going to be ready and groomed by the guys that you know were ahead of him. And you know, you kind of groomed yeah. the two. You you know you were you know potentially a big part of you know the growth of Jalen and, and Alohi. So we definitely do appreciate you for that. But like like you said, you know, it's tough with the first game of the season. I had mentioned it on a previous podcast. It's like, you know, you could have some underclassmen you don't know about. You don't really know what you're gonna get as far as the offense. You know, maybe they change some things, got some new plays, stuff like that, trying some new things out on the defense. But I think overall at the end of the day, the 3517 was what most of us had expected right in that area. Obviously you're going to get everyone Super Bowl when you play Notre Dame. Um, and I believe they actually had 5.6 million viewers. So, I mean, it, it moves the needle every time. But at the end of the day, yeah. it's another victory. Can we get a score prediction from you for the game against New Mexico? I would say let's go 57 to 15. 15. So we're getting some two point conversions here in, on the 14. We're getting two pointers, three pointers. We're getting all types of safeties. <laughs> we're getting some safeties. All right. So I know you had mentioned as far as the college football playoff, uh, obviously we want to touch. Where do you feel as far as the Georgia game and the Michigan game for this year? We're not going to go ahead and crown Stanford as, uh, you know, everyone's crowning it. It is the third toughest game on our schedule, but the two most important are the Georgia and the Michigan. If we don't handle business there, the Stanford game really doesn't hold that much weight. So do you think we match up well against uh, Georgia and Michigan this season, Max? Yes, I think they're both winnable games. Um, I think, I mean, that's, that's the nature of college football. Um, their upsets happen all the time. You know, it's, 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 you have to be the best on that day. Um, but, yeah, to me, they're both winnable games. 
Uh, Georgia is definitely going to be a battle. Um, Michigan is going to uh, be a battle because of the type of team they have, the talent they have, and also they're going to bring their best against Notre Dame. Um, that's that's what everybody does. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's going to be easy games at all, but they're definitely both winnable games. So, yeah, as far as as far as and, you know, the media's perception is the media. They're always going to, you know, obviously we haven't won since 1988. But at the end of the day, they always have this, you know, false perceived notion. You know, we're going to come out. We're going to end up eight and four. We're going to lose all the big games that we play in. And, you know, sometimes in these big games, we do come out slow. But at the end of the day, I do personally believe and I know I believe Ethan is of the same mindset. You know, other co-hosts, Chris and Brian are of the same mindset. This team has all the horses in the stable and the capabilities to go 11-1 or 12-0. Do you have, if you look at the schedule, do you have maybe a sleeper game or a game for us to watch out, an opponent that you played against during your time at Notre Dame that, you know, might pop out on the schedule and give a run for our money? Um, Not necessarily. Um, I think it's just really the two games that we mentioned. Um. Because they got, you know, they got for, games for against like Boston College. We have Virginia, don't we? Yeah, Virginia this year and Virginia. Yeah, Tech. Virginia. I, I say, I say, Virginia's a sleeper. Um, we uh, when I played uh, against Virginia, we slept on Virginia um, and ended up having to get a late, real late touchdown uh, with Deshaun and yep. Will Fuller. Um, so I definitely say that's a sleeper. Um, USC is going to be a always a high, a high intensity, high energy game. USC is going to bring their best. So that's another game that could potentially get hectic um and then i feel um, like navy could always know. be a good one too that always just yeah i mean navy yeah, always really seems to just him, give notre all dame of them. and that's, that's the kind of thing about our schedule like teams teams might not uh consistently be the best teams but you're going to get their best and that's something that you know it's always talked about um but i see boston college too they'll bring their best and it might be uh, interesting for two quarters and then you know we'll probably pull away um, i think i think there's a lot of games that um kind of have that same um kind of energy to it where we uh, have the team overmatched, but we're going to get their absolute best. So it's uh, one of those games where we have to win it all four quarters. One thing I did want to ask in regards to that Virginia game, did you see the kid that was just hanging over the, the front row absolutely <laughs> yeah. mortified? Yeah. The, was there the anyone there to was there anyone there to console that kid? Because that kid was probably easily the most gifable kid of that season. Yeah. Oh, I – uh, we, we were out of there, man. We we, we 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 were so upset that we let the game get that close, and our coaches were letting us know about that. Um, yeah. So we were like, man, let's just get out of here. Like we've won it. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah, that was a Sean Kaiser coming out party, and you love to see him finding Will Fuller streaking down the sideline for a touchdown. Max, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up here. Where can we find that on social media? Yeah, so I don't have a Twitter or Facebook. Uh, I just have an Instagram, and it's uh, mm-hmm. redfield.mac. Um, and that's, that's basically my main social media. And then um, I also have a LinkedIn as well. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, okay. Uh, and then, but, yeah, the, and then also I'll just mention my podcast, too. I have a podcast as well. It's called uh, Mental Mastery with Maximus. Um, and I've had some guests. I've had four guests on it uh, thus far. Um, some of them include uh, Jesse Bon Jovi and Malik Zaire. So, uh, yeah, you guys can check that out, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Where can we find that podcast at? Is that on Apple? What platforms do we have it on so we can get it out to our listeners? Yeah, I'll be on Apple Podcasts, Mental Mastery with Maximus. Okay, so there we go, Mental and, and Mastery. Just, go ahead, Ethan. And I just, shot you that, I just shot you that follow on Instagram, so if all of our listeners do the same thing, 
Like I said, I just, awesome. I just shot you over that follow, Max. So the 56, 56.3 thousand followers. You know, I, Getting yeah. boosted up one more. I don't want to stand out there or anything like, like that, that, but, you know. Yes. Talking about. Yeah, I appreciate all of them. Yes, and then one last question, Max. Where, or not where, but when will the XFL draft be held, and when can we expect your uh, next destination on your football journey to be announced? So it's in October. Um, I don't know exactly when in October, um, so I plan to to get drafted in October. Um, but, yeah, I, don't, I'm, I'm, I think it's more towards the end, and then uh, December is when they plan to start camps, I believe. Alrighty. Well, we're definitely going to have to get a call back into you, whether it's October or December. We're going to have to find you depending on which one of the eight cities that you're going to be at. But we are confident to know that you're going to be playing football in the spring and hopefully getting, getting your way on your way back to the NFL. But regardless, at the end of the day, we will see you there on the XFL field. And it's something that a lot of Notre Dame fans, you know, whether it was AAF last year, or the XFL this year, are going to be excited to see. So continued success to you, Max. Ethan, thank you for joining us tonight. It was a great episode for the Irish on Tap brand. We promise you guys two episodes a week. I can't guarantee an, a guest every week, but we will guarantee the hard-hitting takes. And go Irish. Wow. Thank you.